Welcome in to another edition of The Reason Radio. I am Evan Shamlin alongside Nick Arthur. How you doing, Nick, on this lovely Monday evening in May? Um, not bad. I'm, I, was, I was fighting a, a cold that hit me Friday, so I apologize if I cough any during the uh, show today, but I'm doing a lot better. I'm ready to, I'm ready to roll. Excited. Coughs, I'm excited this week. We had a lot going on. We did have a lot going on. Um, yeah, it was it was actually surprising, the content that went on. So I am, I'm going to let you have choices today, Nick. I'm going to keep letting you have choice. Where do you want to go first? I think the, Everybody's the, got biggest, choices. the biggest issues this week, your first choice is MLB or NBA. Where would you want to go first? Oh, man. This is – well, let's start, let's, start with, uh, let's start with MLB. Okay. So MLB, I got a couple stories for you here. You want to go with uh, the historic uh, pitching performance of Scherzer with his 20K game? You want to go to the, uh, the punch heard around the world? From yesterday with uh, Odor punching. Let, let's start with the punch because that's been in the news all day. I think that that's headlined basically every, you know, every sports talk show out there has been surrounded with the punch. Agree? Agree. So my first question to you is when the last, like, I got so excited because I can't remember the last time I saw a guy actually throw a punch. We've been doing this. Let me run up close to you and then have someone pull me back as I try to delay actually getting into a confrontation with you for like so many years. For some reason, my mind goes back to when Kyle Farnsworth tackled that guy from the Reds. Yes. That's the last one I remember um, as being like a big let's let's beat the crap each other. Now, we had some Red Sox and Yankees like get in your face and shove you into a net, but I'm talking like physical contact. Like yesterday, I, I, I was so surprised at myself. I was like back in junior high, like wanting to watch this fight as soon as I heard about it. And, okay, and, let, let's time out one second. Time out one second. I proposed a way to make people interested in baseball, and you laughed at it. I proposed the enforcer. I proposed physical contact, and you laughed at it. And listen to what you just said to me. Well, hold on. Now, that is a good question. That physical contact would bring more people in, but you actually just led me right to my point. As I've you know heard people talk about this all day, that punch, right? I'm like, this happens every day in hockey, but nobody cares about it unless it's illegal. You know what I mean? Like, happens all the time, and hockey's not as popular a sport as the MLB, but it happens in the MLB. One punch, and it's the most talked about thing across sports. So my thing is, once you add physical contact like an enforcer, does the whole, you know, interest of physical contact go away? First of all, debatable on if MLB is actually more popular than NHL. Uh, I, well, I think that's a good point. They're both regional sports. So that would actually be a fair comparison, but I don't have numbers in front of me to fight one way or another. So I'm not a hockey guy, so. Right. I, rephrase your, your question again. I want to make sure I'm fully understanding what you're asking me here. I'm just saying if – Okay, the enforcer is going to be really cool for a while with the physical contact, right? You're saying after a while it's going to be devalued. Just yeah, just like hockey punches fights. aren't going to be rare. Absolutely yeah, like fair, the- fair argument. It makes we're all talking about the Odor Bautista punch because it doesn't happen in baseball very often. Um, yeah. We just said we were trying to remember the last time it happened, um, and obviously with the stricter and stricter punishment for doing these types of acts. Um, longer suspensions, different things like that. It, I think it has played a role in preventing people from doing it. Um, me, the Pedro Martinez, Don Zimmer one, Zimmer one stands out. <laughs> wasn't really much of a punch. It was more of just a, you know, shove the elderly <laughs> to the ground. 
Uh, that was excellent. My other favorite uh, was the one I don't remember who it was. Um, it wasn't. Hold on, real quick. If they don't, if our listeners don't know, Pedro Martinez grabbed a older gentleman who is bald and overweight by just literally grabbed him one hand over each of his ears and guided him to the ground. Well, and the, the, the older gentleman was going after him. Don Zimmer was going after Pedro. So I think, you know, this was just an abrasive attack of the elderly. I mean, this was a defending move by Pedro. He, he had himself, you know, he had his hands full. That is a that is a great baseball fight. But keep going. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're, the other one is not Ricky Henderson. Who was it that like ran out there? And he threw his batting helmet at the guy. Oh, he, I can't remember. You know what know. I'm talking about? Yeah. And it was a great move because he threw the batting helmet, and the pitcher had to like you know try to block that, and then it completely opened him up for the for the run after. Um, yep. And then you know, the Nolan Ryan Nolan Ryan I think landed two or three good head punches when he got that guy in a headlock that one time. Yeah. Uh, back in the day. But anyway, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the reason it's in the news so much is because it has become more rare. Um, and just, you know, brief description for the listeners who maybe didn't watch um, there, you know, think back to last year, the, the playoff injury, it was Chase Utley, correct? Is that right? Who got slid into in the playoffs for the Dodgers? No, Chase Utley was the guy sliding Slide. into everybody. <laughs> and who did he take out? Was it a Cubs guy? no. Who was it was it? the Mets guys, Mets shortstop. Yes, it Flores. was. Met, it, you're correct. You're correct. He slid in. He broke um, broke his leg on the spot. Yep. Um, so basically, the MLB has put in a lot of stricter rules this year when guys are sliding into second base trying to break up a double header. I mean, a, a double play. And last yesterday, Batista, Jose Batista for the Blue Jays, was trying to break up a double play and slid in very, very hard against Odor and. Odor did not take it. Did not take it to. Uh, he didn't like it. Well, hold on. There's a little more to that story. So, this this yesterday's game is the last regular season game between the Rangers and the Blue Jays this season, right? It was the last at bat Jose was scheduled to get, barring they went to extra innings, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when they decided to intentionally drill him. So it was a lot of people are calling a very cowardly act by the Rangers. Because they played, two, there was ten. Yeah, there was tension building. Yeah, so it's it's all stemming back from the playoffs last year, where Jose Batista ended the Rangers season with the most epic bat flip in the history of MLB when he crushed one and threw his bat for days in the air. And the Rangers have been holding this grudge since last year, so they decided to that yesterday in the last at bat where they could. Uh, I I don't know. If they're thinking, hey, the Blue Jays aren't going to retaliate because this is a close game, Batista's last at bat, but they drilled him, and then Batista does. You can continue now, Nick. No, you're you're fine. I mean, basically, I mean, but Batista turned around, and there was a slight pause of the guys staring at each other, definitely angry. Um, Odor shoved Batista, and they kind of, you know, threw him back, and then Batista looked like he was cocking his arm back to swing, but Odor beat him to the punch complete pun intended, literal pun intended, and, you know, connected, knocked his glasses off. One, one of the hardest punches I think I've ever seen in baseball. Um, connected. I mean, yeah. he connected. And it was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make a point here, okay, because everyone – because my first thought when this happened, I'm not going to lie, is I'm not a big fan of some of the Blue Jays players and how they carry themselves, um, starting from the manager all the way down. I think that they – think they're very entitled they're full of themselves they've never even accomplished anything as far as you know 
They didn't even win the, the AL pennant last year. These guys think that they are the best team in the league. Um, at least their main guys carry themselves that way. Donaldson, Batista, the manager. Um, so when I, when I, this first half, my first reaction is, you know, hey, put him in his place a little bit, you know, shut him up. They're all talk and, you know, they're the ones that, that got, that got the punch was landed on. Um, but int- I'm going to read this one to you. Interesting point made by fellow Pinch West Virginia native Grant Buckner. Not sure if you saw this or not. Um, Grant played baseball in the minors. Not to put Grant on the spot with this, but he put it on social media, so it's fair game. Um, he said he played against Odor for three years in the minors. Okay, And he said he's the only guy he's ever seen who intentionally tries to throw the ball at the runner coming at him from first um, when he's turning a double play. He would catch the ball from the short, from the, you know, the, the second baseman or shortstop, uh, turn and basically just sidearm it low to make sure that if you didn't get down, you were taking it to the face. Okay. And as soon as I saw Grant say that, I watched the video and I see it. He takes a really, really weird throwing motion. I'm talking not just sidearm, but almost like a submarine. Dips his arm down to get it low enough to try to hit the sliding Batista in the face. And I think Batista saw that. And I think that's what sparked. Obviously, there were tensions prior to this, but I think that set everything off. Did you see that? Well, did you see where the Odor's throw ended up? Oh, it was way down the first baseline, wasn't it? Yeah, because they said it was intended for his face. Right, right. So, yeah. But I, I, did. I, just, I didn't see how intentional it actually looked until I saw Grant's post, and then I went back and watched the video again. Yeah, see, I don't know if it was extra, like, I don't know, because it all feels like it happens in a split second. But, yeah, it did look like the throw was, he would have rather landed that baseball to Batista's face than I think that punch. Um, because that throw, that was amazing. This whole fight started, and that ball is rolling down the right field line. I mean, <laughs> if I'm the Blue Jays guy who's saving first, if you just keep trotting, you're going to be saving all. <laughs> I mean, seriously, everybody just started to go out. Make your you way can, through the war zone. Yeah, seriously, just keep going around second and score. I mean, that meant tie ball game. They were down one at that point. But, yeah, it it was interesting. He, uh, you know, I don't. Odor had a fight in the minor league. Speaking of his minor league experience, oh, saw that. Yeah, but he was a he was the guy sliding hard that time, which I thought was interesting. He was the other guy on that perspective, but I think he was just kind of standing up for everybody else. Like he wanted Batista to do something because honestly, Batista's slide was a little late and a little hard, but it was a classic slide. It wasn't the Utley "I'm a heat-seeking missile that's going to chase you into the outfield and break your leg like he did against Flores last year." Batista actually slid just through the base. It was late, but it was hard. But it was through the base. Something you know that I mean? was probably completely legal up until this year in Major League Baseball, and I, very I common. And very common. A, a very common thing. That's why it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't as egregious as what Utley did to get this rule into place. But yeah, it was bad. But no doubt that punch was a. Uh, Definitely something to talk. He that was a punch, man. He connected and right on Batista's perfectly manicured face. I Knocked mean, his sunglasses off and the helmet. D- shook him too. I mean, he was staggered a little bit. You know. Okay, he, so here let me ask you a second question: Are you impressed by the punch, or are you impressed by the fact that Batista didn't go down? I mean, I'm crumbling if I get hit like that. But Batista did not go to the ground which some people are giving him credit for, uh, which I, I'm really confused as to why we're breaking down 
everything's going on with this. I don't think you can really control if you get knocked out or not. I think that's well, kind of out of your hands. Did you see, did you hear what Batista said after the game? I he said not. if it, it was a little bigger guy hitting him, he probably wouldn't have been knocked to the ground. No. So a little back, a little backhanded compliment or or insult right there. And I heard that I was just listening to Odor's comments today. Somebody asked me if he regret it, and he said, nope. "Absolutely not." So I think that's gonna that's gonna add to the suspe- the suspension he's gonna get. So to to top this off, let's play a little guessing game. How many uh, how many games do each of them get? Odor's got to be at least ten, right? Well, I was thinking in the 7 to 10 range. If it's 10, it'll probably be – I think whatever he gets, he's going to appeal and get two games back. Like, so if he gets 10 initially, he'll only serve eight or something like that. Man, thank goodness we didn't draft him in fantasy. We were considering it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm going to give Batista – I'm going to give him a series. I'm going to give games. Batista three to five and Odor seven to ten, probably closer to ten. It was. I mean, let's go. Was let's just, go. Tim with Odor, five with Batista. That's fine. That, I think MLB is going to crack down on this because it is the first one that's happened in a while. I I want to mark this day. I mean, this is the day we let off with baseball. That when baseball is not the only sport to be talked about, and it was because of something that happened. You know, kind of. You know, not an everyday thing with a punch, but another thing. Let's get back onto the field. I mean, the fight did happen on the field, but. An on-field achievement, and uh, that was a game that we were both kind of kind of taken away with on Wednesday, with uh, Max Scherzer adding a 20K performance to his resume. The guy is stacking up um, historically, or a historic resume, with a couple no-hitters in the last couple years. Uh, now adding a 20K game, um, it was uh, he had he he joins an exclusive group. He becomes the fifth to do it. Do you know the other guys? Other than Kerry Wood? Kerry Wood's the big one that we all know. With like, He was like his, something crazy, like his sixth major league start. But the other guys are, are truly Hall of Fame guys that you would know. Nolan Ryan. Nope. Nolan didn't have one. Man. Did, doesn't he? Really dumb he question. T- Does he have the all-time K's lead? I, I, I don't know that off the top of my head, to be honest with you. I know he has a crap ton of no – I think he has like seven no-hitters. So, not a bad guess. One guy has two of these, and the other guy just has one. It uh, Roger Clemens has two. And you know what's amazing about Roger Clemens? Uh-huh. He did, him ten, he did him ten years apart. Threw one in 86 and one in 96, which is kind of incredible. And in 2001, Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson. I was going to say Randy Johnson, the other one. Yeah, Nolan Ryan, most strikeouts in the history of baseball, 1,000 more than any other player. Nice. So back to back to Scherzer here, this 20K game. And immediately, you know, this – first of all, let's, let's speak to his game first before I ask you questions outside of the game. You know, he had excellent command, 119 pitches, 96 were for strikes. Um. He actually he he was dominant with getting strikeouts, but he wasn't unhittable. He gave up two run, he gave up two long balls. I mean, but I think that's because he was absolutely just pounding the zone, ninety six strikes. So he wasn't shying away from anybody. So I mean, he's facing the Tigers with people like Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, J.D. Martinez, guys who have pop, and he wasn't afraid. And he was just going right at him and pounding the strikes. And so he did get hit a little bit. But nonetheless, he was dominant. 
Um, and it was, I know, I think you tuned in. I tuned in about the eighth, and I love his demeanor on the mound. Absolutely love it. I love how he just looks like he's pissed off, and he's a competitor. He's really everything that Strasburg isn't, honestly, as far as like just the antics on the mound. And I and I really enjoy that. So coming off this twenty K question, I've I have two questions for you. Okay. My first one is what is more impressive? The perfect game or a twenty K game? The perfect game has happened twenty three times to give you some historical context. Twenty three perfect games. Yes, and five twenty K games. Wow. Um and I mean, just so we're all on the same page, I mean, baseball has always been nine innings, so it's not like, you know, that maybe you'd have less chances to get K's. Okay, so they're twenty. So it's basically it's five times more likely to throw a perfect game than it would be to strike out twenty batters in a game. As of right now, and I would, I don't have those five other starts in front of me. I'd be curious to see how many of those guys walked zero batters because Scherzer walked none which is just insane to strike out 20 guys where you're not throwing things out over the heart of the plate. You're really getting them to hit, you know, chase the corners and you don't walk anybody. That's really impressive. And Um, I think, and again, I think that's why he got hit a little bit is because he wasn't shying away from their bats. You know what I mean? Like true. He got, he got, he got him down. Oh, two. And he's like, I'm going to pump 95 in there. And if you hit out of the ballpark, okay. But if you swing and miss, okay. I think that it's got to be, I think more impressive it's got to be the case. And I'm not just going purely on the, um, you know, purely on, on necessarily the, the likelihood of them happening. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think that, but then again, man, so many things have to go right in the perfect game. How have there been five more, times more perfect games than 20 strikeout games? Do you want, well, is that well, a head scratcher for you too? Not a little bit. I mean, you, I strike you a guy out, ball gets away, there goes the perfect game. But, Let's. Any pitcher in the MLB can throw a perfect game. Would you agree with that? With the likes of Dallas Braden having thrown a perfect game and Philip Humber, and you know, if it wasn't for the umpire making a terrible call, our Mondo Galarraga would have one. Correct. So Good point. With the with those guys on that list, I mean, I feel like you could say anybody in the MLB can throw a perfect game. Mark Burley's on that list. Um, so it doesn't have to be necessarily a dominant pitcher. When I look at the list of five, these are guys that all are considered dominant pitchers and strikeout guys. Great point. So me, when you're I not going to find list, a Dallas Braden on the list. I mean, you named Clemens, no, you're not. Johnson, and Scherzer, and Clemens Johnsons are ranked two, three yeah. all time in strikeouts. Yeah. So you're looking at like there's a like if I look today besides Scherzer, like all the guys I'm thinking about, like a Kershaw or a Price who can get those K's to twenty. I mean, it, there's only a slim group of guys who could do it. Like, there's no guys that are just going to randomly be like, oh, he had seven career strikeouts. That was his career high. Bam, he jumped up to 20. That's not going to happen. But Dallas Braden, the only perfect game or the only complete game he ever throws in his life can be a perfect game. Like, that's more plausible. That's why I think, like, you can go the whole game and get a million balls hit to the shortstop and be a perfect game. You know what right. I mean? Sometimes just they're a, just hitting right at people. I yeah, mean, you, can you can hit them hard. Look them right up on a line right to the center fielder. But, I mean, to, to rear back and, and strike out people time and time again, I mean, it just it seems – it's way more dominant to me to, to have that. And, I, and honestly, 
you know, watching the last inning of that Scherzer outing versus, you know, I was watching Burley's uh, no-no back in 09, it was way more ex- – it's, it's two different types of excitement because with Burley, anything put in play, you're like screaming, no, 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 or somebody field it, right? With uh, Scherzer, the ball hit the third with two outs in ninth, I'm screaming, error, error, error. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think there was – I think with one out, there was one popped up in foul territory. And he only had, you know, he he had to strike out the side in the ninth, correct? He no, went, he had to, he had to strike. Oh, he had to strike out the side to get twenty one. He only had to strike out two to dude, get okay. one. I think that something it was a pop fly to first baseman, and it was like in foul territory, and the first baseman was going over. And if it's you know two feet foul, it strikes mm-hmm. it strike two, and if it's two feet fair, he catches it, and he doesn't even get a chance at twenty Ks because. He would have fallen short. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, yep. like, I mean, so many things have to have to go your way. I, I, I'm, I, it's consensus. Obviously, I'm, I'm completely on board. Twenty Ks is just such, yeah. so much more dominant. Even though, heck, he could have easily lost the game. He was only up one run, and there was a runner on first or second, yep. I believe, in the ninth inning. There was runner on first, and he'd given up a home run that inning. Yep. Yep. So, so I mean, he. That that lasted bat. It wasn't just a matter of him finishing things off, or was it going to be a perfect game, or was it going to be a one hitter? I mean, was it going to be a win or a loss too? Um, and we're still saying that's more dominant than a perfect game. So let's look at it from the reverse real quick. Okay. If if you're the Tigers or you're any team that's been in the, any MLB team. Are you? Do you feel worse about striking out twenty times and putting you know two runs up on the board, or twenty seven up, twenty seven down? What do you feel worse about? Like, because like you said, you know, I may have drilled a couple balls to the gap. I may even had a home run that the center fielder brought back. You know what I mean? There could have been some great plays, but which do you feel worse about? If you're that team, I think it's got you. Got to feel worse about someone throwing a perfect game against you, right? I don't know. To go I mean, 27 I, up, 27 down. I mean, I don't, I don't care how many times you strike out. To go 27 up, 27 down, to me, that's got to be rock bottom. It's got to be. It's kind of demoralizing, I guess. Because I we mean, just said that the the um, they were playing the Tigers. Is that right? Who, yeah, they were. I mean, the Tigers had a chance to win it. Yeah. So I don't really think that they, you know, went into the clubhouse extremely really care. You know, extremely frustrating about the situation. They got six hits. I think they. They drew a handful of walk. Well, no, they didn't walk any, but they got six hits. They had guys on base. You know, they they scored two runs. They had a home run. Um, I definitely would think that the perfect game on the flip side would be more embarrassing for a team. Fair point. Fair point. Okay, one more. I love giving you these little trivia questions. Scherzer, um, he has beaten every MLB team, right? Okay. If you say There's so, yes. With the Tigers, with that victory, he's beaten. Every MLB team, because the Tigers was his former team. Right. So he, he couldn't have beat them until he faced them. So he finally faced them and he beat them. One other active pitcher has beaten every team in the, in the MLB. Can you name them? One other, you said? One, one other. Oh, man. Who's some, like, really old guy who – He's played both leagues. Give me Bartolo Colon. That is a, that is a good guess. Um, John Lackey oh, okay. is the name. Okay. Uh, you can understand John Lackey. Uh, real quick, about the same night as Scherzer threw that 20K game, 
we gotta give props out to to another pitcher did a, an amazing feat that night. Did you uh, did you see this? You know what I'm talking about here. Uh, I I don't know where you're going with this. I'm not gonna lie. The the infamous Thor, Noah Syngard from the from the Mets. Syngard, yeah. He he hit two bombs that night. Did he really? He was wow. Yeah, he was out getting buried in the news. <laughs> yeah, he was. That doesn't happen often where two or a pitcher gets two home runs in the same game. So I, I it was a definitely a performance that was buried, but that doesn't happen a lot either. So I definitely wanted to, to mention that um, the Mets pitchers can rake, man. Like all of them are hitting home runs and doubles and and a bunch of stuff. It it it's impressive. But I just wanted to mention that because I, I knew you. It they're on the West Coast. Wait, and, uh, time out, time out. What? I, I listened to all that, I promise. Going back to the list of teams who have beaten every major league team, okay? The pitchers, yeah. So Dan Heron's not active? No. Kyle Loesch is not active? No. Tim Hudson's not active? Tim Hudson retired. <laughs> I, A.J. Burnett retired, obviously. Zito's not here anymore. Okay. Nope. I was just looking at the list. I was just testing you there because there are five active who have beaten 29 teams. Sabathia, Grinky, Urban Santana, there's a wild card. Ubaldo Jimenez, which is also a head-scratcher for me. He just needs to beat the Rockies. And Francisco Liriano, who just needs to beat the Marlins. Bartolo Colon has beaten 28. Don't want to get too far off topic there. Was just looking. <laughs> you just wanted to see how close you were. Uh, exactly uh, right. Uh, exactly right. I, I, don't, I don't blame you. So, okay, that'll, that'll wrap it up for, for the, the baseball portion of it. So it took a, a brawl and a historical achievement to get us to lead off with baseball, but nonetheless, good stuff. Let's flip over here to the NBA, Nick. And I have two stories I kind of I kind of outlined, um, something we've been talking about on previous podcasts. The Thunder outs the Spurs in six games, something we didn't see. Do you want to talk about that? Or do you want to talk about LeBron's comments about uh, the MVP and the Coach of the Year awards? I, I don't really want to talk about somebody's comments. I'm gonna be real honest with you. Give me, give me. Let's talk Warriors. I mean, let's talk. Let's talk the Thunder Spurs ending. Let's talk a little Warriors Thunder. I think that's what everyone's going to be talking about. I, I hate the East. You know, I do. I hate it so much. I say it every week. Um, well, did you notice I didn't give you a Raptors? Thank, thank heat goodness. Because that that series was awful. I wouldn't it have wasn't that much to you. fun. No, it's uh, it's over. Just so people know, the Raptors have earned the right to be beaten by the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, so we have one participant in the finals already set. Um, so we'll we'll watch the Cavs again in June. Um, but yeah, let's the Thunder. They did. I kept doubting them, and uh, they came back to punch to punch me right in the throat. I mean, they Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. Um, they all they took a big jump, and they 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 really that game wasn't even close. Game six, they they really managed the Spurs, um, and by the end of it, there was two things that that I wrote down that I wanted to ask you about. Did okay. you watch the whole game? Game six. Yeah. Not from start to finish, but I had it on most of the time. Did you did you have it on during the parts where they were like giving eulogies for Tim Duncan? Like the whole second half. Yeah, yeah, that was. I, I watched most of the second half. Was that not annoying? <laughs> like, we don't know if he's retiring. The guy put up nineteen or seventeen points in the second half. He he's 
unlike any superstar, like a Kobe, like they can't handle when they're not great, right? Great point. But I I think Tim Duncan's different. He can handle being a role player. You know what I mean? Could you imagine like your role player is Tim Duncan giving you 15, 20 minutes a night? I mean, he does all the small things. That's the thing he's been known for his whole career, the big fundamental. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just can't – he's just – he's lost a step. Um, if he ever had really a lot of steps. He he doesn't get up much anymore. I mean, I, I don't want him to retire on that Ibaka block either. I don't want that to be like my last memory of him was getting stuffed into the rim because he's been such a great player. But I don't think he's necessarily done. Like, he – I just think he's different and loves the game. I know he's 40 years old, but I, I, I just want to know what you thought about them, you know, wanting to recap his career all second half. It, it was really annoying. Honestly, think- it was like, it was like, you know, Tim came to the league in 1997. Oh, there's a three ball by the Spurs. You know, Tim's been really great with all these all-star appearances. Yeah, it was, I, I hated it. it I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't watch the fourth quarter. If there's an, if Tim Dun- if there's not a chance he retires, that is fair. I don't I don't fair. I don't even I don't watch a minute of it. I mean, maybe when I see they start coming back, they cut it to like nine or something. Um, maybe I flip it on. But when that fourth quarter starts, you know, if I I think social media, the announcers, everything combined, started really pushing the plug of this is this is the end of the Spurs dynasty before our eyes. This is the end of Duncan. I even texted, you know, I even texted you. Are these the last, you know, of the infamous Tim Duncan stare at the rim free throws? You <laughs> know, free because throws. we, I just didn't know. And I don't think that, I mean, maybe it's on, but I watched the fourth quarter probably closer than I watched the first and second quarter. And it was because I thought it was the end of him. Um, so, yes, as annoying as it was what they were doing, just like ESPN most of the time, it was planned. There was a reason behind it. You know, their sponsors want all the viewers to stick around, and ESPN wants money from the sponsors, so they're going to push whatever story they can push to keep you watching. I guess that's the difference between us because, like, no matter what, I I wasn't going to turn off that game. Like, it just – I was fine watching it, you know, with the Thunder up 20. It was a Thursday night. What what, what day was it? I don't know. It was was Thursday Thursday. night. I mean, it was a work night. It's late game. Um, It was – you know, the game was at hand. I mean, for me, there was – I don't know. I, I, I don't think okay. I watch. Well, you already – you already. I think your reasoning was great, and you put me in the corner. So thanks a lot for that. No problem. Um, no problem. But, of course, back to the, back to the Thunder. Let's, let's celebrate that they did – you know, they took a big step here um, to move on. Uh, my question to you about the Thunder is, is Stephen Adams the third best player on that team? No. Is it Enos Cantor? Because it's not Serge Ibaka. I think Serge Ibaka is the third most talented player on that team. I'm saying right now playing the third biggest role on this team because it's not Serge Ibaka. I mean, they were at – when I watched that series, they were best when they had Cantor and Adams on the floor together and Ibaka gone. Like the most effective lineup for them, in my opinion, was Westbrook, Durant, I think his name's Roberson or Robertson. And then the two bigs, the two seven footers. Well, Roberson played way over his head in Game Six. Yeah, I well, think yeah. his, his like career high in field goals made in the game was three. Yeah, was, but I don't care about his conversation. Like, I just wonder what has happened to Serge Ibaka. I mean, this is the guy they chose over James Harden. I don't think there's enough room on the wing. I'm gonna be honest with you. 
I think that throughout the you know the issues of Westbrook Durant, one was injured, one wasn't. He worked on that pick and pop offense so much, and the guy did such a good job creating that mid range jumper, even foul line extended. Heck, he can even hit a three now. But yes, now with Westbrook and Durant playing at the top of their game, there's not really a pick and pop option. There's a pick and roll option, which is what Cantor and Adams are doing a great job of. I'm coming off that screen hard, and when two guys come to me, I'm leaving it for a seven-footer to throw it down. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm dissecting it too much, but I just don't think there's enough space on that wing because not only do you have Durant and Westbrook there, you also have a, a Waiters or a Roberson, whoever's in, a Cameron Payne. Um, you know, you've got guys out on that perimeter already, and Obaka is not a back-to-the-basket scorer. He's not a guy who you can really just give it on, give it to on the post and say go up and score because he's only what six nine, six yeah, ten, six ten maybe. That. I mean, and I know yeah. that's I mean, crap. We're saying someone is only that tall, but you know, when you've got seven feet, Stephen Adams is, is a solid seven feet, probably two hundred seventy pounds. Um, and Cantor, uh, you know, what's he seven six eleven two fifty. Um, you know, those are big guys who can finish with with bodies on them. I, am I looking into this too much, or do you, you kind of agree? No, I, I just, you know, I just looked at him and honestly, I, I don't think he hasn't been like I, playing. Bad. I could, I could, but I couldn't find him. You know what I mean? Like besides that block on Tim Duncan, like I couldn't really think of him like, you know, making a huge block or anything. I've really been, I've really honestly been impressed with the emergence of, of Cantor's the scorer of the two, but I thought Adam's defense has been great. I mean, he's a, he's an athletic seven footer and I thought he made a real difference in the series more than Ibaka did. Um, yeah, and I mean, in the last three games, you know, when the Thunder reeled off three wins in a row right after the Spurs had taken game three in Oklahoma City, Ibaka scored seven, he scored five, and he scored eight. Yeah, what, what, and you know, what's so his like rebounds? When at their rebounds, game four, when the Thunder might have looked the best they've looked all series other than game six, he had seven points and one board. See, that's that's it. I just... Now he had you know, he had eight points and ten boards in Game Six, um, and he also only played twenty eight and twenty nine minutes respectively in Games Four and Five, which is kind of a head scratcher why the minutes are so low. Um, but again, two of four shooting in Game Five, three of six three of six shooting in Game Three, five of eight shooting in Game Two. He didn't he okay. didn't he didn't attempt ten shots in the entire series. Oh well, I didn't mean to get us diverted on a Serge Ibaka conversation because. There's better things to talk about, but I do appreciate that you you stat hunting for me. I just uh, my my bigger thing was I just I I feel like he's gone, like he's just not the third part that you know they thought they gave all that money to. Uh, I guess is what I'm what I'm kind of looking at, but I know more than you know. In the end, you know they were ultimately more athletic than the Spurs. The Spurs have done it with ball movement, you know, classic veterans. Um, the system, but in all, two of the top five players in the NBA did what they had to do, and they really defended well. I mean, that's the thing that's been missing for them. Two things have been missing from them playoff runs the last few years. One is health, and two is defense. And maybe that's the difference Billy Donovan's helping them give is more emphasis on defense, or it's the emergence of Adams is is what I'm looking at. But taking that and what they've done – and getting over the hump of the Spurs tonight, you know, in, you know, like 15 minutes, maybe even less than that, they're going to tip off against the Warriors in the, in the Western Conference final game one. What do you, uh, 
the thing that this is the only team that the Warriors can play where out of the top three guys on the floor, two of them aren't on their team. And it's an interesting scenario. And, you know, I was really disappointed because I wanted Spurs Warriors. But I've been converted because now what I realize, instead of getting the Spurs who are going to muck it up and try to keep the games in the 80s, the Thunder. They're going to try to score with them. Yeah, it's going to be like 130 to 130. It's It's going to be be wide open. It's going to be wide open. It's it's going to be – to recap what happened the regular season, all the games, the Thunder were in them. They had fourth quarter leads in two of them. They were tied in the other one. Um, they, they should have won the one in Oklahoma City this year, but they, they failed to. But it was, it was arguably, we, we talked about on the podcast way back, it was the best game of the, the NBA season. Steph Curry hit one for New Zealand. Um, it was an awesome game. So the Thunder have been there, even though they haven't won one. They've been exciting games. So, you know, what what are you looking forward to the most? I mean, I'm licking my chops over here getting ready to watch this thing. I'm just looking forward to basically what you just said. Um, you know, I <clears throat> I don't want to get – I had a conversation with a friend a couple of days ago, and we were trying to reel off who our top five players in the NBA are. Um, basically seeing if Clay Thompson is in your top five, if Westbrook and Durant are both in your top five, just looking at stuff like that. Um, I think that you could – Settle that. I think Clay Thompson is a top ten player in this league. Agree. Uh, who? Clay Thompson, the top ten player in this league. Ooh, that's a good question. I think he's borderline. Okay, so let's say top fifteen. Okay. You have four of the top fifteen basketball players in the world playing in this series, and four. I think I think Draymond Green oh, is up come, there too. Come on. Oh my God! If, you not. If that guy plays for the Sixers, you you don't even that's know what, what his stats are. That, but that's what I'm saying. And that is – actually, you've led me to the question I've written down for you. I mean, I realize individually – He scores on, 10 and 8 if he plays for the Sixers. I don't care about that. I don't. But the system he is in, he plays such a valuable part that he's a top 10 player in the league. Top 15, not 10. But he's a top, top 10 15. valuable player to his team in the league, yes. Okay. That's a different discussion. So now we're getting into the LeBron discussion about value and best. Okay, I see what you're saying. Continue. Four of the top 15, I can live with that. And I think of those four of the top 15, absolute, without a doubt, scores. You know, Kawhi Leonard is is a top, one of the top players in the league, but it's because of his, a lot of his other abilities, not just, you know, he doesn't, he's the best two way guy in the league. Right. LeBron's there for, uh, you know, everything he does as far as passing and tracking. I think you look at Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, um, you know Durant and Westbrook. At least Durant, Curry, and Thompson, and those guys are there simply because of their ability to score. Um, so I'm looking forward to basically watching four of the best scorers in the world um, get the ball isolated, um, you know, beat people off the dribble. Westbrook do what he does as far as his amazing athletic plays. Curry do what he does as far as making shots in the logo. Um, just ready for a lot of oohs and ahs over the next. I think six game series. This will uh, this will be a blowout if Westbrook starts settling. Westbrook is one of the most confident, awful three point shooters of all time. You know, he made a couple against the Spurs coming down the stretch that were really bad shots. But the thing I don't want him doing in this series, which is which is easy to do, because um, you can admit as much as he is electrifying, he can do some dumb stuff. 
Absolutely. Um, but I don't want him getting into like, okay, Clay and Curry have hit three three threes in a row. I need to hit one right here. Dribble two two dribbles across half court. Pull up. You know what I mean? Like I don't. That's what he did against set. the Spurs, and those went in. Yeah. See, that's it. I don't. I think if he gets into that, that's advantage Warriors. I would rather him. You know, and I Steph's not going to guard him for foul trouble reasons. But I want to see. I want Westbrook to get his head down and try to go the hoop as much as he can, because that's where he's the best in the league. Who guards him? Uh, it's going to be uh, Harrison Barnes. Well, hold on. That's a good question. It's probably – what do you think? Barnes is on Durant. They'll hide Curry on Roberson, and then they'll play Clay Thompson on Westbrook. That's probably right. I think ro- they'll rotate Thompson and Curry, but I don't know how confident Curry is defensively right now with his, you know – Bad luck. Le- well, yeah, right, he's got – Stop and starting. Yeah, he's got a bad wheel going against the guy who has the most uh, – what is it? High twitch fiber, muscle fiber in the league with him. I mean, that guy's crazy. He is. So it's going to be. A, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be about team defense. I'm interested to see the clash of styles is the biggest thing. Because or I'm most interested in because the way the Thunder just did it against the Spurs were with the two bigs as their best lineup. And as you probably learned, the lineup of death over there for the Warriors is all small. It's six seven Draymond Green at the center. So I wonder if if tonight, if Donovan's going to push and say, okay, this is the lineup I'm throwing out there. You put your lineup out there, the small, and let's see who wins. Or if he's going to be forced to go small and make it like Ibaka at the five, Durant at the four, Roberson, and then Deion Waiters and, and Westbrook. Because like, I, I feel like they lose something if they don't have – Adams and, and cancer in the game. I agree, and I and I think going off that, I expect a much much bigger series from Serge Ibaka, playing a much much bigger role in a much more offensive, you know, wide open coast to coast game. And on the flip side, much less of Stephen Adams and Cantor than you saw against the Spurs. Much less of a half court game. Okay. So you said uh, to recap, you got the Warriors in six. I got the Warriors in six. I do. I think the Thunder will make this a series. I can't imagine, you know, the team lost nine times in the regular season out of 82 games, anybody beating them in a a four-game set. So I'm actually going to go – I'll go Warriors in five. I feel pretty confident about that. And last last topic I want to hit on, it's not going to be LeBron's comments. Don't worry. I just want to get your quick thoughts. You know, the awards have come out so far. Curry, unanimous MVP. You agree with it? First unanimous MVP ever. You can't vote for anyone else ahead of him this year. Uh, you know, I agree with that. <clears throat> coach of the year, going to the guy who coached, uh, who arguably wasn't even the best coach on his own staff this year, Steve Kerr. Do you had agree to, with that? Had to go from had to go to the coach of the team that won the most games in the history of basketball, and you got to give it to the one who coached the most games for that team. It, it, it's very unfortunate, but you had to do it. You know what? In in any other year, it's a no brainer. But you know, you have to give Terry Stotts in Portland so much credit. I mean, just looking at what he did, he was the fifth seed this year after losing four out of five starters. I mean, we I was watching that game or watching that team, and it's just it's amazing, man. Not it's only the amazing. fifth seed beats the fourth seed, and then gives the best one seed in the history of the NBA a series. Yeah, and it's all guys that, besides Damian Lillard and, and now C.J. McCollum's making a name for him as he won 
uh, most improved player this year. None of them are big names at all. I how mean, many is... how many casual basketball fans prior to the series with the Warriors or maybe the series with the Clippers before the playoffs started can name more than two players on Portland's team? See, I can name, but I had no idea who was getting the minutes and who was playing. Right, like Al Farouk Aminu is, you know, I feel like he's had a shot with ten other teams by now. Yep. And has done Ed nothing. Davis has been everywhere. Gerald Henderson he, has just been meh. I mean, he played on a really bad Bobcats team and scored twenty a game, but other hell, than that, they got a Plumley. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they had such a mix of guys, and they all believed. And and honestly, they did push them for a five game series. Granted, Steph Curry wasn't there, but still. They pushed them. Even with Steph Curry on the floor, it took them overtime in Portland to beat them, and they pushed them. They only lost by like four at Golden State, the game they're eliminated. So, you know, I just – it Steve Curry, it has to go there. But, I mean, I feel like there needs to be an asterisk because what Terry Stotts did was was remarkable. And then today, the, the war release today was uh, unanimous rookie of the year, Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he's averaging a double-double. I don't think you could have gone anywhere else. Um, so with that, I want to mention that the, the NBA draft, uh, lottery is tomorrow night before the Cavs rafters tip off their series. So that'll be something interesting. I saw that I was looking at some of the odds today, Nick, and something that caught my eye is with the trades for like, uh, I think this stems back all the way to like the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade from the Celtics to the Nets. The Celtics have the third highest chances of getting the number one pick. Wow. And they just were the fifth seed. <laughs> I mean, so, they, so they were rooting against whoever's team they had that pick from. It's, it's Brooklyn. Hoping, it's the Nets. It's, yeah, hoping they just kept losing to uh, increase their chances. Yeah, so I thought that was, that was interesting. I think, the, of course, the 76ers in the process had the, first, the highest pick, but I thought – but that was uh that was interesting and something just to just to look out. So with that we got uh we got basketball pretty much every other day this week. We'll I mean we're gonna be full basketball or all on basketball for, for a little while here unless there's some more uh historical moments or great brawls that break out uh in, in baseball. And with that, do you, anything else you gotta say, Nick? Quick note on Carl Anthony Towns, real quick answer, yes or no. If you are an NBA GM in a fantasy world, and there's a fantasy draft going on, and okay. you need to pick any one player to build your team around. Is it Carl Anthony Towns at 19 years old? If I had everybody in the league available to me, probably not. But there is no doubt. You know, somebody posed this question to me. It's hard to nice, qu- nice quick answer here. With I'm stealing your question with another question. Legitimately, though, would you take him over Anthony Davis? Because Anthony Davis has been the answer to that for the last two years. Um, who would you start a franchise with? And it's always been Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis. But Carl Anthony Towns, he impressed me. I mean, he looked fantastic. Step back Jays from the three-point line. I mean, he's really the evolution of the big man. That's a great point. Great, you, you countered me perfectly because Davis has only has two or three years on him. He could basically guard a one. I don't think Towns can do that quite yet. Um, but he, But Towns... I, you know, that's a guy we're going to have to watch out for because that's that's literally a potential all-star next year. I mean, 18 points and 10 boards a game as a rookie, that's pretty good numbers in this league. In the West. In the, NBA. In the West. Yeah, in yeah. the West. In the West. So so with that, um, 
You got any more trivia? I love I love trivia and hypothetical questions. I don't. I don't. That's all I got this week. I'm sorry. I apologize. We went over no. a little bit. Huh? A little no, it's follow. okay. Well, sorry about that. I, I get all these things and write stuff down and just want to talk about different angles and stuff. Um, but, but that, you know, that's what we do. We said we wanted to make this like our phone calls and, you know, we, we have, we've had conversations in the past and let's, uh, let's, I got about 10 minutes to waste. The next thing you know, we spent an hour on the phone discussing who top five players were and yelling at each other. So, uh, maybe we need to get more yelling next time, but, but overall it's a good podcast. Um, we appreciate everybody listening. Please get in touch with us. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. The Reason Radio at gmail.com. That's where you can hit us with the email. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Just let us know how we're doing. We appreciate you listening. For Nick Arthur, I am Evan Shamlin. This was The Reason Radio.